like I said, we don't have time to like run them through a hypertrophy program that might take eight to 12 weeks. So we can pinpoint and go, Hey, this is where you're getting diminishing return. Let's switch to strength. Instead, what we do is we break our six week portion up into phases of energy systems and teach, Hey, when you're working hypertrophy, this is the speed and the rhythm you should move. These are the weights and percentages you're working with. Okay. Now we're going to shift to creating tension to strength. Now we're, we're practicing what it should be like and exercise how it should feel. So they'll go home and practice it more. This is the Strategy of Fitness podcast. Our goal is to energize and entertain fitness enthusiasts by sharing insights from experts in the health and wellness community. From physical therapy perspectives, interviews with professional athletes, special operators, nutritionists, and coaches. We want to help you be your best self. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness. Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness podcast, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. This week, it's just us, man. What's up? Nothing, man. Just got done with an exhilarating interview with our boy, Jeff Nichols. That was a good time. We are in the throes of a take care ridden plague in our house. So try to keep it together here. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Tell me about this plague. How's everything going? Are you hanging in there? It sounds like you're on the other side of the, uh, you know, you've been through the worst. Yeah, I think a bit through the worst. Hopefully tomorrow I'll start feeling better. But I mean, Max, man, he, he's usually a pretty happy kid. and He's been miserable. We've been both of them just sneezing in each other's faces and screaming at each other. Super awesome. Sneezing's not the worst, but there's been there's been lots of other bodily fluids going on today. I'll put it that way. <laughs> How's the training been? Good on Sunday. That's the only hit day I've hit this week because of the plague. But hit the uh, Thunderbird leg day. Got some abs in. And the squat sevens I want to go over. So that was a um, ascending rep scheme. Uh, actually, it's kind of a descending. It's a descending rep scheme. So start with seven squats with a seven second eccentric. Seven squats with a six seconds. So seven reps each. And then the seconds on eccentrics descend each time. So seven sets of seven reps with a seven second eccentric down to one. You're constantly putting more load on. And the, the last set of seven is just, it, it's not even that heavy. I think I finished like 225, something like that. But it was, after all that load, man, the, the, the legs were feeling it. it was pretty rough. And two minute rest between each set. Yeah, that's brutal. I can only imagine how you're walking out of the gym after that. I mean, your legs are quivering. Dude, it was not funny. You know what else looks to throw in there that I haven't done since my uh, frat hazing days was wall sit. So he had a goblet squat complex. Goblet squats where you do um, heels elevated, three seconds down, three seconds up for three reps. Then five partial reps, three times through, immediately into a wall sit. Oh, so doing that, yeah, and and dude, I was like, I'm talking like 30, 40 seconds on those wall sets because your legs are already gas. I mean, it's a superset, so your legs are already gas from doing those tempo squats and the goblet squats. So, yeah, he, he has no shame with just destroying your legs there. Yeah, wall sets used to be a punishment. I feel like, and boy, was it a good one because yeah, that's fucking miserable. And then yeah, I've just been um, hit by forty minute emoms. I you know the one that you had sent me haven't been able to get to twelve, but I'm kind of starting to work my way towards twelve, where it's. 12 cows on the bike, 12 toes to bar, 12 
Dumbbell snatches of 50 and then 12, burpee to the target. Haven't gotten quite to 12, but I've done some variations with 10s and then trying to Ooh, sneak nice. one, one up to 12. So I've actually, this has been a good like target line for me to hit. The toes to bar, you know, when you're not working on gymnastics a ton, you know, and the burpee, actually the burpees are by far the hardest of that one and they're coming back. I'm starting to add those more into workouts. That's good. Um, as for me, my training was dog shit the last, I don't know, I'd call it two weeks. I was living on a boat. For a week, getting absolutely oh. hammered. Yeah, we got to go over uh, yacht. I was, I, we we're both me and Rob were both worried. We didn't hear from you for like a week and a half. Yacht, yeah. yacht Nick. Yacht Tell us about yacht, the... yacht Nick. Yacht Nick. He's a really good guy to be around. He was a pretty happy son of a bitch. Put it that way. Went down to the British Virgin Islands with my CEO, who bought a fifty-four foot sailboat. And Mal and I went with buddy from work and his wife and my, like I said, CEO and. It was uh, the most lavish, ridiculous thing. It just so much drinking and coming back and trying to work out was my mind was there, but my body just wasn't. And I'll be honest with you, it was the first time I used to do some really gnarly things in, you know, layovers in, in countries for 48 hours and we'd burn it down on our way to Bahrain. But I could always bounce back relatively quickly. This was the first time where like my mind was telling myself to go. My body was like, nah, dude, I'm not ready for that shit. So it was humbling. That said, I'm through it. It's kind of like a sickness. Maybe it's similar to what you're going through. Unfortunately for you, you didn't choose this sickness. I chose mine. But you know, now we're back in the swing of things. I don't know if I've said this on here yet, but you know, the four by forty-eight is rapidly approaching. I know it's March, and I know we're only in November, almost December, but. Uh, I'm going to do four Murphs, and then I don't know what the other eight exercises are going to be in that 48 hours. So I got to start hammering the the pull-up volume. So that's kind of where I'm starting to focus, doing some 10-minute, 12-minute, 15-minute EMOMs with just hammering, kipping pull-ups just to get that ready because you can imagine that would be – Wait, so you're going to not do the four – you're not going to do the runs. You're going to do four Murphs, and then – so there's a lot more blocks than four. What else are you going to do for the other blocks? Yeah, that's that's the other thing. You just got to figure it out? Yeah, I'll probably do a row and a bike is my guess. Uh, okay. Or maybe a row and a run. I, I don't know. I want it to suck more than it did last year, but I also want it to be moderately enjoyable. So the pull-ups, look, if your hands go on the second Murph or the third Murph or you're, you know, you, you piss your, your bicep off, which I'm known to do, you know, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. So that's why I'm going to start pushing some volume on that. So, you know, I'll kind of keep everyone up to date on that. That should be a really good way to just break my fucking body for no reason. Yeah, I was going to say, I've definitely been keeping up more of my running. Last year when we did that thing, I had done, literally, I was doing all body. I literally did no running. And I think I hit at least five or six of the runs. So this year, I'm definitely more in in running shape. I'm a little bit more well-rounded than I was at this point last year. And then I'm also preparing for, I might do Murph. Like I've been thinking about this because I'm really going to hammer Murph this year. This is going to be like a really great thing for me to like strive for. It's like a really good Murph time. And I don't know if I should do it because I've done partitioned any number, you know, four or five times, uh, have my scores and everything. Do I go partitioned up it. Or, or do I go unpartitioned and just let it rip? Like if I do unpartitioned, it's going to be a totally different stimulus. It is. You have to train for it differently. And I'm game for differently. Yeah, and I'm game for that. But it's gonna not like the progress. I know there's gonna be some good progress. The progress probably isn't gonna show as much as I did like unpartition or partition, and then got like a five second, five minute PR or something crazy like that. So I'm game for either. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, it's personal preference, of course. But if you train for the big sets, you can train and PR in the big sets. I think one of the fastest I've ever done it was two years ago when I was training for the big sets, doing it straight through. You can also do it the way the athletes of the CrossFit Games did it, where they did it in three mega sets. So it was 20, 40, 60, five rounds of that. But there is a three-round version of that as well. So, you know, there's ways to split the difference, still kind of test yourself the way you've been testing yourself, but also get a little feel for, oh, shit, what if I did this in one fell swoop? Regardless, that's fun. That's exciting. Are you, um, you know, you said some stuff over text. I don't know if it's public knowledge, but it sounds like you're going to take, you know, leading into the summer of next year. Yeah, we're we're getting sexy this summer. I'm, like, pretty consistent with my diet throughout the week and drinking. And then on Saturday, I'll kind of live it up. And now I'm going to do that one Saturday a month versus like one Saturday a week, maybe sometimes two Saturdays a month. But like I've been doing that. So I'm going from like drinking and eating like shit one day a week. Now I'm going to do that once a month. So that's going to be like a big commitment to change for me. And it sounds small, but like, I mean, it's also like you got to realize, dude, Saturday is my day where, you know, have a couple beers. You know, I literally like don't drink throughout the week really at all like you guys are all sending me these fucking martinis that you're making I'm like god damn i never do that so i'm gonna go even stricter i'm gonna see where i can get a little bit better and take some sexy pictures for you guys come may and june we'll see how far i get fuck yeah and don't forget our boy thunder bro you know he's got those 30-day challenges yeah i might i might try the shred you know we'll see yeah. like, uh, but i think we should do that i mean like you can get pretty cut up more so like I-, I would like to maybe maybe like may or like april like something weird just really go thunder bro heavy yeah, it sounds like it's a good 30-day program to just get you completely at least on the right path to being ridiculously shredded. So, um, you know, TBD. And that's my thing at the gym is, like, I've even, like, as an athlete growing up, like, I've always, numbers-wise, performance-wise, probably a lot better than what the, the aesthetics is, you know. And I think that part of this is kind of get out of my own way and just, just taking it a little bit more seriously on the weekends. And so you're going to have to be careful with what you're smoking. I'll tell you that much. All these fatty meats we eat like a bunch of fat boys. Uh, <laughs> I think they're all, they're all like wildly healthier than the, the, the <laughs> shit. I like to snack they're on so it. much better than eating a fucking big ass uh, cheeseburger. Yeah. from McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I think that the, the meats that we smoke are because I, dude, I smoked 700 pounds of chicken today for like the next two weeks. Like <laughs> that's better than anything I would fucking get anywhere else. 100%. And I, and <laughs> we'll go over smokes later, but uh, kind of a, a brisket fiasco headed for it later. Yeah, we'll talk about. It. Hey, tee up Jeff. He's one of my favorite all time guests so far. Yeah, Jeff Nichols. He um, runs a gym that prepares people who are entering the military for the performance evaluations. He also hell of an athlete himself, former Navy SEAL and general badass, and just runs this awesome gym down in Virginia Beach. And it was a pleasure talking to him, and really, really loved our time with Jeff. Hope you guys did too. Welcome to the Strategy of Fitness Podcast, Jeff Nichols, founder of Performance First down in Virginia Beach, also former team guy. What's going on, man? Wow, I'm still in Virginia Beach, <laughs> so things are good. Business here, I guess that's kind of where we're talking. We're going to talk about fitness and business, I suppose, a little bit, but I have some complaints, but we all do, and no one really is. I'm not here to vent and force people to listen, so... Maybe we'll get into some complaints. I wouldn't mind that, actually. You know, we keep it cheery here, but, you know, there's always a little bit of negativity because we're trying to get better, right? So, yeah, um, that's right. Like, I, that's that's so, such a philosophy that I always thought, like, in the Navy, especially in the spec war side, it's like, there's a fair amount of complaining. But, like, it really is rooted in the sense of, like, man, like, we could just do this better. Yeah, challenging the status quo is something that, as an adult, I've really embraced 
it's really easy to just kind of say, well, that's how it's always been done. You know, you get into your mid thirties and if you're just taking fitness for instance, you know, if you're just always doing what you've always done and what's comfortable to you, there's a barrier, man. And yeah, I think that's with everything in life, right? Not to get on a soapbox so early, but it's good to have like-minded people. You can only have that perspective after actually living through and making a ton of mistakes and then we offer that advice and you always, we all scratch your head and go, I don't think 22 year old me would listen to me still. <laughs> 22 year old me would want to fight 35 year old me and probably call me a bitch or something. But yeah. You know, like I was thinking like, what advice could you probably offer yourself without the old, the younger you just being really like ego driven? Like, I'm just trying to think like a topic, like maybe food. <laughs> Am I listening? <laughs> go eat at this restaurant, but that might be about it. Yeah, I have the mindset that 18 to 22, for me anyway, literally the worst years of a human's existence. I mean, they just controversial, contradictory, you name it. And, you know, you, you kind of get through that turbulence. Then you look back and you say, man, I wish I could have done that with this mindset, with that body. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I had a <laughs> very conversation with one of our athletes yesterday. Like, like if, there's a, if there's a gift I could offer you if you are choosing to go down the route of a spec work candidate, like, if I could gift you something, it would be that. It'd be this, like, all those years encompassed in, like, hey, it was worth it, but at a cost. So. Perspective, and it's impossible to do without doing. So it's it's so funny. Hey, so let's talk about you for a couple minutes. First of all, we always start these with, what did you hit in the gym today? So what was it today? Oh, I did chest today. I uh, Dynamic power today. So, yeah. What's that look like? Today was bench press, banded bench press at about, uh, today was 135 pounds. I was... T- 20 pounds under my push-up weight. So we all get on a scale and get someone in leaning rest. Now you establish that as like a weight that will work on with the athletes. So I use that because I share that with guys working on a PST. So just from extension, get to the chest as quick as possible, come to a, a deliberate stop. Like it's like <laughs> landing coming out of a Humvee, be deliberate so you can change direction and make action. That's kind of the idea. So that was one part of it. And then I have a flywheel they call it eccentric trainer K box company called I think it's called eccentric out of Sweden. And it's a uh, eccentrics. I've seen those. They're yeah. 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 Really hard. To, fitness stuff is hard to talk about here in this, in this sense, but like it's a flywheel, it's, it's brutal. And it's such a good sort of way to develop workload. And then like I ha- we have jammer arms in front of the racks. Like it's basically a pendulum to get repetitious power output is like, there's very few things that are better. So what I'm doing is I have an athlete that we're going into a peak and taper. I'm running in the peak and taper the day ahead of him to kind of feel it out. So I'm the guinea pig for his training so I can make sure I'm not making mistakes. So I got to stay in a certain level of conditioning because I kind of only trust myself and my wife when in terms of determining this, just because not that there's not great coaches, just our little madness of system and kind of things we do. It just takes a minute to kind of gather what we do, but we enjoy it. And that's what matters. I want to talk to you more about the jammerers because you actually put out some fantastic content regarding those. Not something I have a ton of experience with, probably not a lot of our listeners, unless you're at a very hyper-specialized gym. So I know you treat athletes and then also people who are, are training you know, to go through a BUDS process or to go through some sort of military performance testing. What do you like about the jammer arm? I mean, football application seems obvious, but give me a couple applications, athletes and or uh, military that you really like the jammer arms with. Yeah, I try not to get over nerdy. I tend to do that. So for me, I do it like this. The push-up, for an example, is a very, very common test in the military law enforcement, right? So that's the test. What's the test actually testing? We say, hey, it's testing a push-up. It's like, 
Well, yes, we are testing the push-up, but I kind of look at the human like I look at a machine. And I say, okay, if the test of this machine is to do something as many as possible in a short timeline, right, there's other components I'm looking at, not just how many push-ups can they do, but when you're training for push-ups, for example, I look at, hey, if you're going to do as many push-ups as you can in a certain amount of time, I'm actually, as a coach, looking at where are you starting to fail? At what point does your stability start diminishing? And so then your work output obviously diminishes. I look at it as an accuracy thing. At what point does your body movement stop being accurate with your intentions? And that is an emotional thing that guys got to work through and we experience. And so many people might be under the bar for 10 years and go, oh, he already did that. But people that are new to it, they're like, they only just hear these PRs and these guys getting these numbers and the recruiter saying, hey, I need you to get to these numbers. And they're like, oh, numbers, numbers, numbers. And it's just a numbers chase for a lot of guys. And then just a little bit of education and a little bit of, there we go, a little bit of perspective, like Nick was saying, is, oh, wow, that's a different way to maybe approach this push-up. And then it goes into the other exercises and things too. But the jammer arm allows for the same thing a push-up is testing, repetitious power with regard to in two minutes the person that diminishes the least will have the biggest numbers and that's a hard thing to train for because it's hard to do sub-maximal things to get that much workload to still be able to i can do push-ups for two minutes because most people can't even do push-ups for two minutes right but if you can do a work an exercise that's efficient that's reproducible that's reliable and then you can teach it boom there it is there's the push-up and that's how you produce more numbers in it it's i kind of look at it like if we can put a man on the moon in 1960s we certainly can look at the push-up and go hey our military and our law enforcement really deserve to understand how this helps them and why they're doing it so damn much yeah i love the supplemental nature of that because if you think about it anyone that's been through a a selection course the push-up is getting you there it's like you said it's a number chase but man, it's not really going to help you when you're hanging from, you know, a pull-up bar when you're wet and sandy and the, oh. and and miserable, or you're pushing a log over your head or a heavy knot or whatever it is, or climbing a rope. So any of those supplemental type of things that you can kind of play with and and develop additional strength away from just the static. I'm going to do push-ups. I mean, that's the way to do it, right? Yeah, and it's like, you know, break the monotony. Like, the idea is bring a little more joy into it. And that's hard to do for guys going through selection, find some joy in it, right? But on the other side, it's like, like, this really matters to people. A lot of these guys will go, hey, man, like, yeah, I really want to know more about this because this profession that I'm going to jump into, man, like, my heartstrings are pulling me into it. Like, I give a darn. And, and that's what we found is, you know, I've coached for years in the – college side off and on and i've had my nose in and out of the pro world off and on and you know when you get in that college and pro space you have like 30 percent of the athletes that are like fucking laser focused now the rest of them are really quite athletic and, and very athletic and skilled and they're they can hang around right but they don't really they're not really super motivated to be there and i don't, I don't that's not a disregard to their talent it's just kind of there's difference even in that field when you come here like on the spec war side it's the opposite it's like 90% of the guys are just like hair on fire. Tell me what to do. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I see myself in you, man. Calm down. You're getting yourself hurt. You know, so it's such a joy as a coach to see so many like caring candidates. It's super humbling. 
That's a beautiful thing. We'll touch on your service a little bit and probably spend more time on kind of what you're doing today. It's great. But I think I saw that you were, were you drafted or were you, were you a pitcher in the, in the major leagues or, or no, tryouts? But baseball was a sport that I had uh, some success in for sure yeah. as a young, young, as a young kid and college student. And that was my first love. And all that work that I put into that love of that sport. Now in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, that totally prepared me for all the madness. You know? So like being an athlete and that failure and working in that sport world is such a good emotional and physical development for me as a kid. And that's why I tell kids like the people that are 16, like I want to be an Navy SEAL, this, that, and the other, like awesome, go out and play every sport. And I get that. Like, it doesn't sound right. Cause you hear like Bryce Harper since he was nine years old, was homeschooled. And you're like, yeah, I want to be Bryce Harper. like, no, you don't understand. Like, Bryce Harper's father had to like keep Bryce Harper away from baseball at times because you're like, if you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. You're crazy, kid, but then it worked out, right? How many of those that really work out? So not as many as you would think. Now I'm with you though, man. Get exposure to everything. I I'm a broken record on this podcast. So like I love the idea of martial arts or uh, or wrestling for for the or gymnastics for the young kids for that body control. Because the faster you can learn to get up on your hands against the wall, I walk. I see 35 year old men trying to do handstand pushups for the first time, looking like. What the fuck is this? Yeah. No, you learn it at five or six. You start hammering that motor muscular skill. And from there, you know, who knows if you're going to be any good at the sport, but the exposure, the competition, the trying. Yeah, the try, man. What a thing. What a concept that you were like, not even just motivating someone like to just be exceptional. That's like what it used to be like, hey, motivate someone to be exceptional. Now you're like, I'm just going to motivate someone to try. Nope. (laughs) I'm just going to cancel me on that avenue. I'm just, that's what I mean. Like we don't get that really. Like we get guys that are just like, like me when I was young, I I couldn't be stopped. But I really respected a process that now there's so many options for processes for people now. You know, they're just because of social media. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your time in the teams. And I know Dan has a a ton of, specific questions about kind of your training and philosophy today, but how long were you in and how was that experience? 
I spent 11 years in, it, it was good. You know, I can say it like this. I think in hindsight now I'm nine years removed from service. The way that my mind saw combat as a Navy SEAL and what I was hoping for, or thought I would be exposed to, and the experiences, I got it all. My 11 years in the teams, I got to stand on the shoulders of giants. I get to work with and among the most decorated men in this history of our military, guys with three to five, seven silver bronze stars in their chest kind of situation, you know? Like Ed Byers was a guy I went through selection with, like real heroes, you know? So... In hindsight, my 11 years was such a blessing in disguise, like in many ways. And I have so much reverence for the community, which in part, like, if you hear me, sometimes it may not sound like that, but it's just how we started. I get pretty emotional about things because probably for many of the reasons you guys are doing this as well, some of the things from your past that you would like to see improve better, even in yourself, like that's like part of your process is like, you do this job with passion because it's part of your own rehab too. and so. A piece of advice that was offered, to, not even offered to me, I was privy to hearing someone's advice, and it took years for it to make sense. I was in Ramadi, Iraq on my second deployment. I was there with Marcus Luttrell on his final one. He was our basically our chief and our master chief at the time. I was in the gun cleaning room, and I just you could see Marcus was real upset. He had just found out, basically, that he was being forced medically retired. He really wanted to stay in and do some things and whatnot, but... Pete Nazcheck was a master chief and now works for Nike and doing some amazing things. And he said to Marcus, he goes, there's Marcus, you know, Marcus, he really wanted, like, I want to do better for the community. I don't want to leave it like this. And Pete Nazcheck said, you will do more for the community on the outside if you really want to make it better than you will ever do it on the inside. And that coming from a master chief that I really respect, I heard it, but like six years later, just boom, it's like, whoa, okay, I see kind of what's going on here. So I, I monologue there a little bit for you too, but that's where my heart sits. No, I love it, man. And now you're doing it in practice, right? So let's pivot. So now you're out and you've created this brand and, and you're helping folks. I, I know you don't just do military people, right? Like you're helping all sorts of people. Obviously, I can tell that you're rooted in that. But give the listener a larger philosophy of kind of your mindset in the gym Beyond the, hey, we're trying to get dudes ready for selection courses. <laughs> it's funny. Like, it, it is a cliche. My, like I say, leave it better than you found it. Like, I really try to put that practice. Catherine, I'm a better half. My wife, who manages the business, makes the business, like, really viable, actually. The same background as me and brings a whole set of skills. But, you know, for me, like, the philosophy is that I'm not of the volition that do what I say, not what I do. Kind of see, you know, like you get in the teams a lot of times, they're like, we didn't have it like this, so you're just going to do it this way. I'm like, well, but we have the resources, knowledge, and wisdom. And I was outspoken in my time. I really was. I I had a lot of friends, but I made plenty of enemies as well. Not in a, a bad tactical sense, but I, I'm very outspoken. I have been in my past, and that got me some conflict, but it also got me some real, like, real leadership proponency, people that really believed in what I was doing that, you know, at the time. So in the Navy, I took on as a, you know, basically the active duty department head for human performance for JSOC and SOCOM. And I saw a lot of admin stuff in the minutia of like, wait a minute, like, you know, policies and contracts and things of how you hire someone and how you acquire things. I'm like, you know, I had, I had some, I found a little bit of compassion, like why it takes so slow. But so my point is this, is I saw a community with nearly infinite resources in finances. I saw a community 
with, with truly a very deep pool of competent, willing, capable soldiers, male and female, willing to become really professional in their, their scope. And I also saw leadership willing to use people in this capacity. Like, so if I say, if I transport this idea in college athletics, you basically have Alabama, what, but more resources, better people. And then I'm like, wait a minute, like, why are we having such a hard time communicating to this population that they need to start really taking better care of themselves after all these years of combat? Well, really, we were all in the experience. When you're in the experience, it's like when you're in a relationship that's failing, you don't realize that when it was going to shit a long time ago until you look back and go, oh, I totally saw the red flags, right? So that idea we took out and go, okay, well, listen, 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 like, okay, I can be all pissy and upset because the military is not training their people or, or I can do what every bit of credible research, science, and, and math will say is that if you want to educate someone, get them earlier, get them before they get into that mayhem of the whatever, life, job, sport, competition, whatever it may be. So what we do is we feel like we try our best to over conferences, clinics, camps, the best we can educate people in the best way to actually gain resiliency through all of this. Not just, hey, I, I've got to get ready for this PST, but I never learned anything to handle the actual stress. And that's just the physical. And then that's my wife handles the mental side, the meditation stuff and everything and, and more. But I guess that's the thing is, you know, after my 11 years of experience and being a strength coach and physiologist through that whole time and seeing it, you know, being in the O course and seeing this 60 foot cargo net as a math equation instead of a, okay, if I go to this side, I mean, the net's tighter. I can figure it out. It's 60 feet. I'm 195 pounds. I, I can figure stuff out. You know, like that's my weird brain, but because guys are so wanting, so willing, and so earnestly caring about what they do. And all I got to do is lay out this process for them to just jump in like professional athletes and just kick ass. Because you have these amazing coaches like a Pete Bomberito is the world best coach in the world for prepping guys for the football for NFL out of South Florida. And because it, it's like, if you get the highest vertical, you get a big bonus. But where's the incentive for the guy in this country who does the has the most push-ups, the most pull-ups, and the fastest run? Nothing. So, but we're going to treat our business like it's incentivized because these guys give a shit. And that's what we do. We give them everything that we can to prepare them not only for their test, but for resiliency for a really beautiful job that is in unforgiving on the physical and emotional state. I'm fired the fuck up. Dan, take over so I don't just keep asking questions. <laughs> no, that's great. And I was, uh, Nick kind of hit on what I was going to say about the mission statement and what you want to provide. Cause I, I love that you mentioned that coach. I, I'm actually not familiar with him. Um, when you blend the strength and conditioning stuff with the performance sports specific stuff, what is your equation for how much to spend on each? Cause I think that you do a pretty good job based on kind of what I've seen of really hitting that, you know, be it 75, 25, you know, 80, 20 of really nailing down the fundamentals of strength and conditioning and also keeping the person, you know, making sure the plyometrics are there, making sure the speed is there, making sure the burst is there. Like, how do you determine that equation? Is it all athlete specific? Is it all sports specific? You're right on this. And so in a perfect world, we'd have plenty of time to take them through all these phases, right? We could have a class that goes on every single day and we just pump people in and there's this factory, right? But the best way to answer is, is one of the things that we offer is we, we offer a six week training program 
here where people come from all over. We've got, got come from Australia last class, <laughs> right? So people come from all over. They spend six weeks here in Virginia Beach. Six days a week, we train them twice a day. You know, they're training two to three times a day. I run them through all their training, their track work, their pool work, their gym work. We go through dietitian. We bring dietitians in. We bring in running coaches. We, we, we basically have this real, like, this concept. We, I kind of joke around and say Special Forces University. So that six weeks period, there's enough time to start to see an adaptation of the nervous system. Like I said, we don't have time to like run them through a hypertrophy program that might take eight to 12 weeks. So we can pinpoint and go, hey, this is where you're getting diminishing return. Let's switch to strength. Instead, what we do is we break our six-week portion up into phases of energy systems and teach, hey, when you're working hypertrophy, this is the speed and the rhythm you should move. These are the weights and percentages you're working with. Okay, now we're going to shift to creating tension to strength. Now we're, we're practicing what it should be like and exercise how it should feel. So they'll go home and practice it more. Because it's like we can only give them so much. But we work through true hypertrophy and tissue remolding, all those phases of education. And then we practice it just as much as we can for those two weeks. And then we shift so that, that the hypertrophy turns into a dynamic stop, strength, strength training, tension. And so we take them through two weeks of tension. We don't do absolute strength. We do time under tension. We do pretty heavy load. So with half fields and certain other things, we'll get loads up. We've had guys up to 700 pounds on a squat. So it's, if, it, if yeah, not everyone. So that's what I'm saying. We, I've got 20-plus years of experience, and so does my wife. This takes real management in the same way. Like, well, how can that be done? Well, how do we get 35 dudes on a range with firearms safely? It takes people that have experienced it in a weight room and managed it. Like managed it and be an RSO. Yeah, you bet. It's a good transition, right? So once we teach them and we keep them adhered to those physiological rules, this is hypertrophy. This is what it feels like. This is how you do it and so on and so forth, right? So that's kind of what's going on. You know, we, we give them phases, they learn it, okay? And then we send them on their way because we're educating them. We're not just having them train. They keep logs. Everything is videoed. Everything is recorded. Everything is managed in, in like in pieces. And so it's just a system. That was awesome. I love that. And and I, I think that you probably feel the same way I do. I'm more comfortable with the rehab world, physical therapist. And I always think that you probably feel the exact same way. It's like, man, you get a certain patient where you're like really locked in. You're really, they're really motivated. They're into it. And you're like, you almost wish you had like total and complete control over the person for like a, a full year, like right. really map everything. Out. It's like, that's yeah. the one thing I almost wish I had more of, you know, cause I'm like, I think by nature, a lot of us are control freaks. You almost want that person like doing every single thing the way exactly you want them to do it. And, and one of the tough things to come to is you probably never quite have the control you want. No. And I think that that's that I think that over the years though, too, like I look at it like this, like I can't put my will in somebody else. But what I can do is offer the, the mechanics, the minutiae. Like I can teach someone how to shoot a pistol, but I can't give you the will to want to be accurate. You know what I mean? Why do you keep going to the weight room? Uh, it, just, it just keeps pulling me in. But the person that just doesn't keep getting pulled in, I don't try to motivate at all. And I think that that's what allows me to. It's like when someone's all in, they learn real fast and you don't need them for a year. And so that's kind of what I realized too is like, I'm mentoring someone for the very first time for this long. 
I had him for six weeks and we're going to have him for about three and a half months. One-on-one every day. Like he's not me, but I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm curious because I know how I would push myself. All I can do is lay out the process and give him an opportunity in an environment. So we'll see. Do you track your success rate from your candidates that go into the selection courses? The only thing that we are pretty certain of is that anyone that has tried to get a contract has gotten it. We're, we're pretty certain. We're That's really all you can do. That. Across the country, there's a PJ graduate, there's a Ranger graduate, something like every two or three weeks. Every two or three weeks, we get a flood of emails like, hey, thanks so much. So a lot, you know, but what does it matter? Like when I look at this, is this is my hope. Here's why, because this is what really what will matter is my hope is that in seven, eight, nine years, we and other folks like you all and whoever's trying to educate, like we'll see that like seven, eight years from now, we'll see our military training because we'll see a bunch of guys that we've handled going, whoa, whoa, they all get E78, right? Maybe E04, get to that point, right? And they're like, hey, we're going to do something a little bit different now. We've all experienced what good training has done for my longevity to this point. Then they take leadership positions, then they change. And that's that's the hope is like, because someone said this once to me who, who basically started tactical strength conditioning. His name is Mark Stevenson. He is the creator of TSAC. He, he was the, the, the program manager over here and now is just working privately. He has been working in the college space, strength conditioning, since the 80s when it was created basically by Boyd Epley. And he said to me, he goes, Jeff, you must understand something about the military right now. He goes, it looks and feels a lot like the NCAA and college athletics in the late 80s. Everyone's like, why do we need strength coaches, dietitians, blah, right? Boyd Epley's fucking crazy, right? Now he's like the, he's like the OG. And so Mark's like, you just got to have enough people to have experience on the outside with good training to come in and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is the military with all these resources doing without? We're just not there yet. We're not. And it's funny, last time, our last episode, we talked to Green Beret and we talked about kind of the challenges with with guys that get out on the mental side of the things and how finally SOCOM's really leaning into hearing that, you know, we need to support people on the outside as well as on the inside. It can't be a career killer if you're having a tough time. But it's the same thing. I served from, what, 11 to 19, something like that. And the boat teams, group four, man, from the time I started to the time I got out, it was 100. It was a, it was a 180. They completely dumped in. All, yeah. But your point about getting this kind of ingrained in people's everyday life, the young guys, the guys that weren't beat up were still hitting the gym, even if there weren't formalized PTs. But, man, some of the older, saltier guys that were beat to shit and had broken backs, and they weren't going to the gym so much. And guess what? The the commands had to change that mindset, and then they started to, and they realized, well, yeah, my back's broken, but, man, my, my hips feel better. My shoulders are starting to feel better, and everyone just gets a better experience. So, like you're saying, if, if you can hammer them before they get in, ingrain that mindset in them, then they grow to be the leaders they operate, they get to do, they check the boxes, and then they get to kind of reflect back. That's how this becomes, you know, kind of an OODA loop. Yeah, we keep talking culture, but culture is initiated at the point of education. Yeah. Can't create culture without the understanding of why culture is created. It's missing the entire base of it, you know. And but that's what happens when you spend 10 years in war. Yeah. You get super focused on action. Development, it gets really pushed. Development is really pushed, but human development hits a fucking limit. And that's where we're at. And we're just like, why is it? Why are we your limit? Well, because no one has taken responsibility for the after. 
You know, yeah. and I'd be like, what's the question? Is the military responsible for that? I don't know, man. The You know, it's like I, I want, don't want to throw mud at the military, but you're like, I know the military isn't equipped. Are they responsible if they're not equipped? And so that's why so many of us veterans are out here doing it. Yep. Right? It's it's like so many of us are like, well, I can throw mud at the military or I can just be an example, do the best example I can be. Amen. All right, look, I told you we'd, we'd only chat for about 30. We're going to have to have you back because this was fantastic. But we do have to get you out on a couple quick hitters we asked all of our guests. The first one is the most important. What's your favorite non-alcoholic seltzer? Ooh, Perrier, probably the grapefruit. Yeah. It's good. There we go. Perfect classic answer. You going for a one rep max? What song are you throwing on? Oh, Orion by Metallica. <laughs> Dan, Dan's gonna Dan's gonna jump to the screen. Um, an instrumental, one of the only instrumental songs I listen to. Fucking fantastic! I've got an entire playlist of just instrumental. <laughs> wow, you, you're you're a true you're you're a psycho, but I, but I love it. Orion's a fucking one of the best riffs ever written. Ever probably it's like my favorite song ever. Probably yeah, yeah that's amazing. Lastly, how can people find you? The best place to find me is on Instagram, uh, Jeff CSCS. Performance first, as you look up either, you'll find us there. That's the best way to communicate. I'm real active on the subscription side, so that's how you're going to find me. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. It's been great. You bet, guys. Appreciate your time, and have, have a wonderful night. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it, man. You bet. Hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, I, I was talking to Jeff and I was, I was kind of mentioning that he does more than than military. And then I realized I think he just does military prep stuff. That's my fault. He speaks such a general message that's so powerful and full of perspective that I feel like anyone could benefit from it. So it doesn't matter if you're going to the military or not. Like you're going to get something from that, I'm sure, because I don't know the, the guy's mentality and attitude or you know, something that people would flock to. I screwed that up too. Cause I was going through a bunch of his videos. I just kind of prepping for him. And he was talking about different, like, you know, baseball players are like, you know, he, he's used a lot of sports examples. So I, I might've been confused there where how much he does on the sports performance side of things. However, he does have a, a large background in sports performance as you heard through the interview. So I, I think he knows what he's talking about there for sure. Just probably not as into that right now. Right. And it may not be his business focus, but that dude knows. And yeah, exactly. Pretty yeah. much anything, right? So it really, really enjoyed that and appreciate him coming on. Check his gym out if you're ever in Virginia Beach. Not sure if there's drop-ins for something like that, but hey, as we get older, we're gonna have kids and you know, some oddball kids are gonna want to go into a selection. It's great to have people like that dude, a resource that done it, prepping people for success. I'll tell you, I would have paid unlimited amount of money in 2010, 2011 if I could have found anyone within 60 miles of me to train me and they just didn't exist so he really is solving a problem out there i think it's fucking great think of the guests we've had on him we had Stu smith josiah kaufman i mean these are just and, and you know, josiah's on the west coast but there's yep. you know three or four names right there of people who are filling a need and kind of like you said you're doing more on the outside looking in it's like well, there it is in action like there's people that are actually doing this and i think Stu's probably what the, the biggest pioneer of all this right yeah, it's true. Stu Smith's been around. That's a good point. He he is the godfather of this. Uh, but it's cool well, how they each kind of make their own, you know, they, they all do. different. Yep. All different. Very cool. Hey, let's talk about this brisket fiasco. It wasn't really a fiasco. We were just having friends from Florida. My buddy Devin and his wife, his wife's from Argentina, doing Argentina, Mexico. I was like, fuck it, I'll smoke a brisket, spend all night doing it. And then they get they call us like the night before, like literally just throwing the brisket on, like, yeah, we're not coming, like everyone's fucking sick, like can't make it. So I'm like, fuck. So I just got 15 pounds of brisket. I've just been eating all week. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I never thought I'd like get tired of brisket. I'm all 
I'm almost there. It, 15 pounds is a lot of brisket to put down. I mean, the kids have been eating a little bit. My wife's been eating it, but like I told a you, lot of brisket. I got that 15 pound. I like left for four days and I came back and like, I was just looking at everyone. And they were like, nah, man, I'm good on brisket for like for a long time because they had been eating brisket for lunch and dinner for five days and like mouth so like, filling I'm fucking good <laughs> on this. can i have just a salad for a little while like so it is so filling <laughs> it is man it's fucking good though you put it on a bowl rice bowl make it like chipotle you have to make it a little bit different than just eating meat because if not it, it's too much yeah it'll get you it'll what's get up you. what's been on your smoker Mm, I did a turkey like that. Big, oh, yeah. How's the, the, the big uh, turkey smoke? Yeah, the big turkey smoke. It was fantastic. I did, uh, a, you know, it was really fantastic. The 24 hour brine. The brine that I got from this Traeger recipe was, you know, kept her in a Yeti overnight with some ice on it, pulled it out, quick smoke, you know, a couple hours on 375. Or I did 250 for, you know, an hour and then 375 to finish it off. And just the most succulent, delightful turkey I've ever had. So, you know, n- nothing else to say other than it was perfect. Did you also smoke a turkey? No, no, you didn't. You guys, uh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah we were at uh, Leah's aunt's house. Right? So, yeah, no, we went to Leah's aunt's house. Dave went down to the beach oh, with my gotcha. parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes down there every year. So, we're going to go Christmas at the beach or at my parents' house. One year ago today is when I bought my smoker because you guys were all smoking a turkey. I got hella jealous and I fucking impulse bought one. So this year I was like really excited to do it. And Lee's like, yeah, we're going over to Atlas. She's doing the turkey. Like, I'm like, all right, well, here's what it is. So got hella jealous and bought a brisket. I'll tell you, the turkey that we got, kind of a a blunder. We didn't mean to do this. Mal went and picked up a turkey breast. It wasn't even the full turkey with the legs and everything. So if you ever need just a, a manageable piece of meat that's not all that overwhelming and huge, snag that. It's like six or seven pounds and, you know, cut it up fed the family and made just white meat, right? Just white meat and yeah. basically cut it up. You know, it still has the carcass, but just doesn't have the, the dark meat and had a day and a half of food and it was gone. So it'd probably be a really good meal prep. I don't know if you want to go through that whole brine process or something like that, but it was absolutely perfect from a juiciness perspective. So something to consider. When we get Rob on next time, we're going to have to yeah. get his uh, turkey carcass soup fucking yeah. recipe. Man, that looked... Whew. I don't actually know if it looked good. It just sounded really good. It looked like it would have been good if Rob made it. It would have been like one of those things. If I made it, it would have been a catastrophic yeah, it disaster. It looked like a mud puddle. Yeah, it looked like a mud puddle. It looked like a good mud puddle. Yeah, really good. What have you, uh, what have you been streaming? Yeah, I'm going to give you the movie The Edge with uh, Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins. And there's great rewatchables with it, too. Uh, fucking awesome movie. Just like a survivalist, like plane crashes in the wilderness, two guys that have kind of this storied history, like have to kind of survive slash like they're going back and forth kind of. I fucking love And there's a bear that's trying to eat him and kill him. Oh, I like that. I've never uh, heard of it. So I got uh, to check this out. Oh, it's a really, really good flick. And just like great. If you like Anthony Hopkins, which he's not in a ton of stuff, but Signs of the Lambs, like he plays like a billionaire. So it's like he's this like kind of know-it-all billionaire, but he's never like been through the shit. And then like Alec Baldwin plays this just like, complete asshole just photographer who's kind of in love with hopkins's wife so there's this like there's like the are we surviving the wild and it's like are these guys going to murder each other because the one wants to bang the other dude's wife basically everything i need and then, and then there's a bear on top of it so right. basically everything yeah. i need yeah. but what can be better hey all right uh, before we do hitters let's do a quick world cup hot take what are your thoughts you uh you pretty uh, confident you happy what, what's happening in your i always like to start with a positive because you know, we didn't score a lot, right? Two goals in three games. That's not great. But also, we only gave up one goal in three games versus 
three pretty solid teams. You know, I actually kind of was shitting on around. Uh, there's a cool app. I'll give you guys the app if you guys are interested. It's called Flash Score. Flash Score is just a great soccer app because if you're watching the World Cup, you click on the team, and then each player will show you what club they play for. So if you're looking at Iran, it's like, I don't know any of these fucking players. I can at least see, oh, this guy's on a club in Spain. Like, he must be pretty legit. So uh, Flash Score is a great app. Um, it it kind of helps you as you're uh, watching the World Cup. But Iran, pretty decent team. Wales, eh, pretty okay team. And then England, one of the, the favorites of the tournament. And you only give up one goal the whole three games. And it was a penalty kick. It was kind of a bullshit penalty kick anyway. So I like that about our team. And then if you keep things new, like 0-0, zero, zero, if you keep that scoreless, weird shit can happen. It's like baseball. Like if you're an underdog and you keep it, if it's 0-0 zero, zero, going to the bottom of the eighth. Like, you got a hot pitcher, you can win, yeah, right? Like Exactly. So like we have what you know, U.S. always has good goalkeepers. We have fucking great goalkeeper. We have a very solid you know, defense. I like when they play Zimmerman. It's a little taller in the back. Give me the tall in the back when those goddamn head balls. And I think that – Netherlands should win, but I think that if it stays scoreless beyond like the 60th, 70th minute, I think we could pull it out. Who's your first, second, and third that you imagine are going to win? Your your front runner and the the two following that you believe have the best chance to win the tournament. I haven't been watching probably as much as the other. Well, I have been watching a lot, but I, I haven't really been taking too much stock. I'm going to go with Brazil for obvious reasons because they're fucking Brazil. Yeah, give me Brazil, give me France, and although I have no reason to say this, give me England. For not choking, and England will, England will do it. Isn't it kind of weird that Italy's not in this? It's fucking weird to me because, like, they're just usually I, in. Wait, I just realized that. What the fuck happened? They just didn't qualify. They just didn't qualify. That's insane. I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned. It. So Italy's not in the World Cup this year. Holy fuck! You're right. They were in the World Cup championship not long ago, right? They won. Damn they, close. I think, I think they yeah. were, or maybe they won. I don't know. They definitely but, won in. 06 or 10 or something like that. But hey, we're at the round of 16. Win one more, you're in the quarters. And fuck, that's awesome, man. As far as we've ever been. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a sport in general, but I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, We have the second youngest team in the the entire World Cup, too. So, a lot of young players, good future, and we just got to not fuck it up in terms of qualifying. That qualifying, not qualifying in 2018 set us back so far. You know, you can't not qualify like Italy. That Polisic selfie in the hospital bed. That's amazing. Made, he, he just became the most popular person in America. Oh, it's amazing. And, and it's like, he's so goddamn good. Like, I, I wish he was, he, he's kind of had an off couple games. Like, he hasn't been quite himself. I hope that maybe in the Netherlands he makes some of those runs that he's known for. Like, that goal that he had, that's not like a Polisic goal. Like, that was a great finish. But, like, he's known for, like, he'll get the ball at the 50 and just, like, he's almost like, I don't want to say messy, but like kind of like weave in and out and like make that whole run and then finish with a pass or a shot. So he's got he he's got a couple Chelsea, of those right? Like this, yeah, he plays for, yeah, no, he's legit as fuck. He's the best talent wise. You know, again, where's his career going to go? Is he going to be as accomplished as Dempsey? You know, with with as many years, I don't know because he's had a pretty riddled injury history. But he's the best talent we've ever produced. It's not even close. What do you got for headers? Uh, what I get free, Tupac. Nice, love that. What you got? I got mind reader, a day to remember. Punk Nick showing back up. Cool, man. Well, look, we uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back again. Uh, there's been, you know, some intermittent drops of episodes. That's mainly because life and travel and shit like that. Yeah. But uh, we hope to get a few of these in here before the holiday and set us up for some success in 23. Sounds good, man. Later. Later.